0: I'm watching Mr. Holland's Opus It's classic Oscar bait, Dreyfus is acting his heart out It's just okay Around the hour forty-five mark, I started craving blood and gore, vampires, nudity, and cluny more. From dusk till dawn, it's not very good. Tarantino should stick to writing. As an actor, he's like a block of wool. From dusk, so wrong, opus. Too long, we need better flicks. Next week, we'll get to our silk wood. For now, though, we're stuck in ninety
1: six. That's fucking horrible, and I'm embarrassed. <laughs> That's
2: <laughs> so good it would would be a shonda if you don't use that
3: coming soon this summer at theaters everywhere
0: opening weekend rated r
1: Welcome to episode 34 of Opening Weekend. I'm Jason O'Connell, and I am once again joined by my dear friends Fred Berman and Dan Matissa. And this week, we travel back to January 19th, 1996, and the release of the Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino horror show From Dusk Till Dawn, starring George Clooney, Harvey Keitel, and Juliette Lewis, as well as the wide release of Mr. Holland's Opus, starring Richard Dreyfus, Glenn Headley, and Olympia Dukakis but before we dive into the week's movies Fred and Dan where were you guys in January of 1996
2: so i was living ah. on the upper east side and again you guys know this so pretend i'm telling it for the first time okay uh just laugh heartily you know every now and then ha 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 there you go that's it <laughs> i said laugh heartily not fartily good, good, day, ladies. Ladies. good
1: day to you <laughs>
2: I'm living on the... Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. Can we go back? Happy birthday, Jason. It was Jason's oh, birthday a couple of days ago.
1: Thank birthday. you. No, no. That's not necessary.
3: Let's see how long we can stretch it out. No, 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 yes. no, no.
0: <laughs>
1: Thank you, Fred. Thank you for uh, remembering and for the uh, uh, the Instagram post you you put on. I'm of course. Our you. fearless
2: leader. Our fearless no. leader.
3: Indeed. Thank so you, So I
2: was... Uh, I was on the Upper East Side with Mike Polofsky, and Mike had gotten this apartment. We were subletting it. His friend, I don't remember her name. I'm going to call her Amy. This was Amy's apartment. She was like, Hey, me and my roommate or whatever, we're moving out. Do you guys want to move in? So we moved in, but it was still under her name. So that's where we were able to keep the rent super low. I mean, we were paying like a hundred dollars a month or something crazy, yeah. but you know, the, the renting agent, the managing company, they thought that she was still there And something happened with the toilet. The toilet kept getting (laughs) clogged, as is my want to clog a toilet. And I remember, yeah. (laughs) And I remember I was calling, (laughs) I called the management office a couple of times. And they, so a couple of times they called back. And every time they called, I would answer the phone because I was the, You know, unemployed actor working at the Esplanade every now and then. So I was home all the time. Mike was working in advertising, so he was at work. Would you put on Amy's voice? Would you hello? Would you do No, I just I just introduced myself. Yes. (gasps) This is Amy. I'm so sorry. I can't we are, the toilet's clogged up. (laughs) Can you come in? Oh my stars and garters. I pooped. (laughs) I couldn't get it. (laughs) So pooped again. (laughs) That should have
3: been bosom buddies, you and (laughs) Kowalski.
2: So they, so they would always call and they'd be like, hi, is Amy there? And I say, no, she's not here. And they would always ask, well, who is this? I said, oh, this, and the ruse was, I was their friend, Fred, staying with them. So I guess they finally got, now all of this, what I'm going to tell you, all of this had happened was unbeknownst to me. I didn't know about this, but apparently what must've happened is they finally called Amy and they're like, hey, what the fuck? I'm sure they didn't say what the fuck, but because they're a managing company. But they said, what is going on? We keep trying to get in touch with you. And this guy, Fred, keeps answering. So Amy, because she knows that I'm there, she was saying, well, he's just a friend and he's staying with us. And me and my fiance, Mike, live there now and he went to school with Fred. And they were like, well, we don't believe you. and And apparently Amy said, well, it, you know, if you don't believe me, come by and check. And they said, fine, we will. Mm. Again, I don't know about any of this. So I come home one day from work, I open the door and as, as soon as I, I open the door, I can tell that something is, something's a little off and I can't put my finger on it. There's like, the, the apartment just smells nicer. I noticed there are flowers on the, on the table in the kitchen. It was just, something was different. I go into the bathroom, which is right off. It's the bathroom is basically in our kitchen area. It was a railroad apartment and I go and again, I'm like, what the, f- why, why are there tampons here? Like, what is going on? There's maxi pads. The things just there's just things that shouldn't be there. And uh, that's weird. Okay. Go to the bathroom and I walk out. And as I'm walking through Mike's room, Mike, I love Mike to death. He's the greatest guy in the world. Mike was a complete slob in our apartment. There was he never cleaned up, which he will, I think he will readily admit to. There were clothes everywhere all the time. He, I walked through his room, it was spotless. Everything was put away, furniture was in a different place. And there were pictures on the walls. There they they were And there was a picture of him and Amy. I'm like,
0: what the <laughs> hell is going
2: on? And I go into my room, everything is gone. There's, <laughs> there's nothing there. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? So I call Mike and it turns out when they said that to Amy, when they said, okay, fine, we, you know, yeah, we'll come and check. Amy apparently called Mike and was like, uh, dude, you got to get out of work. We need to get to the apartment now. So they came and they completely... Retrofitted the apartment to look like she and Mike were an engaged couple and they were living there. Oh, wow. And, then, and yeah, and then I was just there with like a little bag or something. That was it. Yeah, it was crazy. That was what I was doing this week.
3: That's the kind of shit you what have to do. What deception were
2: you pulling, Dan?
3: Oh, the deception that I was a legitimate actor, <laughs> um, which is a deception I'm still pulling on everyone who's ever seen me act. No, this is right you after in school. Yeah, right after my first semester of grad school had completed and we were about to go into the second
2: is this the year that you did sequest
3: yep yes it is. that's right yes that's right so that mm. that that happened somewhere in here that an that a casting director uh came over to the conservatory and gave a gave a seminar and then read a couple of us for parts because they were casting a lot of things out of Orlando, you know, Mm -hmm. and and a little bit, I think, out of some other cities as well, but mostly out of Orlando. Universal Studios was there and and, uh, Disney and some other things. And NBC Universal had this show called Sequest, which was a very short-lived uh, yeah. show. You were brilliant on it, though. You worked kind. with Ironside. Oh, you're, you're very kind. Got to work with the great Michael Ironside. Wasn't Roy Scheider the lead on that? Was he the lead? He, he was the original he, for the first uh, oh. two seasons, and then he left. Um, and you got to work with Jonathan Banks too. Yeah, that was the real. That was the real treasure of this time. That was mm. the awesome. real, uh, the 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 real thrill because you know, obviously, I knew who he was from movies like 48 hours and and Beverly Hills Cop and things like that. But uh, um, he was so kind to me and so nice and we had scenes together. So we ran lines um, together, you know, uh, over there. And that was my first time ever being on a set. First time ever being on camera. First time ever doing anything. It was terrifying, utterly terrifying. Mm. I got, I wound up getting an agent out of that because the, the school brought in agents from the other coast of Florida to, to see us and, uh, and then when they had heard that I had booked this the year prior without an agent, they were like, we'll be representing you from here on out. Wow. I went, okay. Have I told you,
2: have I talked on, on this podcast about when I saw you in that and how I saw you in it? Uh,
3: I don't know that you have. I don't no. think so.
2: Oh my God. It was brilliant. I was rehearsing a show on the Lower East Side and I knew you, and I remember I had, you know, my VCR set to tape it. I knew it was coming up and let's say started at eight o'clock and I'm, and I'm walking up Broadway downtown. And it was, I don't know if it was like a Sam Goody or like a Radio Shack or something. <laughs> and I, and for some reason I, I had to go in there and then it was just, it was like eight, eight, 15 or whatever. And I thought, I wonder, wait a minute. I wonder if like, if there's like in the television section, maybe I could like turn the station on. I didn't have to. Cause I remember I turned the corner and there was like a stack of TVs <laughs> and it was all on Sequest And it it was wow. like, it was planned. I turned the corner and there you are. your wow. schnoz on like 20 televisions. <laughs> wow. It was amazing. I was, I was jumping That's for so... joy. I was so excited. So
3: yeah, that was around <gasps> this time.
1: I had just moved in with, uh, like probably right at this moment I was moving in with uh, Jim Bowden and uh, Michael Dowling and Tony Strout, our friend Tony Strout, who actually recently passed. Uh, they yeah. were the, we were living down on Gold Street down by the South Street seaport. Oh. Um, I think they it was like f- four guys had been living down there in this really cool loft apartment. I don't know if you were ever there, Fred. Were you Were I at was that there. Apartment? Yeah. yeah. No, I
2: remember going there.
1: It was a very nice apartment, um, but it was a lot of guys crammed in there. And I remember actually, you know, because it was this loft and you went upstairs and it was very cool. And there was this, uh, you know, this, this second floor essentially, but it was pretty small and And there were four beds up there. Like it was just one bedroom. There weren't multiple bedrooms. It was just, here you go. I
2: remember that about it.
1: And it was all four of us had our beds up there. And there was, there was like, I think Tony had a desk up there and then there was a big closet and we all had, you know, areas of the closet, but it was, it was like a camp or something. It was, I remember, I remember one time bringing a, a, a girl to that place and, then being like, Oh, they, nothing. Uh, a, a, after that, she wasn't so interested in hanging out. And I was like, no <laughs> kidding. I mean, there were no other guys there. it wasn't like anybody was there sleeping, like have a good time. I mean, it, the other guys weren't there, but I think she got up there and she was like, what is this? It was like, I was in like army barracks. I was like, like What are there all these beds and foot lockers? And it was just very peculiar. And I was like, what? It's fun. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but I, I, really enjoyed living with them and living down there and it was really fun. And, uh, I, at this time, you know, you were at the, uh, the, uh, Oslo, Dan, and, mm. and I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to audition for them. And so I did. <gasps> oh, right. And this is when oh, I, I auditioned right. for your, uh, oh, you, you know, God. your, the chair of your department oh. have the audition. I thought, I thought it goes well. And then you called me, and I remember it was this year because I was sitting in, I only lived on Gold Street with Jim for one year. I only lived there in 1996. And I was there in the, I remember being in the apartment on the phone with you, and you're like, yeah, um, yeah, you're, I sure your audition went great. He just, he was so convinced. He was like, he was like, yeah, he's okay. He's just so clearly gay that it's, I'm not going to say you're, you know, the guy's name because you know he really should not have been y- y- basically discriminating against me because I was gay, which I was not gay. But you know, he was essentially discriminating against me because he, he thought the I lady
2: was. Lady doth protest too much. He I
1: was. He, he thought I was too gay to act, and I was like, "Come on, man." But I was like, and he was like, telling, and you were like, "No, he's not gay, my friend." Yeah, he's like everything him. Every- about him. He was like, "Oh, come on, Dan, you don't know your friend very well." Um,
2: <gasps> That's amazing. I can so- listen to that story from dusk to dawn. Oh
0: my,
1: It's from dusk till dawn.
0: Okay, ramblers. Let's get rambling. One night is all that stands between them and freedom. This is my kind of place. But it's going to be one hell of a night. We might be in trouble. We are a bunch of fucking vampires out there trying to get in here and suck our fucking blood. Now, their only chance is to fight back. tell george clooney quentin tarantino Juliet lewis welcome to slavery no thanks i already had a wife from dusk till dawn
1: on the run from a bank robbery seth gecko played by george clooney and his paranoid sexually deviant loose cannon murderer of a brother richard played by quentin tarantino hightail it to mexico After kidnapping a former pastor, played by Harvey Keitel, and his children, the criminals sneak across the border in the family's RV and hole up in a topless bar. Unfortunately, the bar also happens to be home base for a gang of vampires, because movie. From Dusk Till Dawn launched George Clooney's movie career, but was a bust at the box office, earning $10.2 million over its opening weekend, but only $25.8 million in total. Fred and Dan... What did you guys think of From Dusk Till Dawn?
3: I definitely saw this when it came out. I remember enjoying it when it came out because this was, you know, many years prior to um, the Scream sort of horror spoofs, maybe not many years, but enough years prior to it, I feel like, right?
1: Well, it was when, the same year as Scream. Oh, was the same, oh, was it yeah. the same year? Scream came out yeah. the following Christmas. So okay. So, so we're yeah.
3: pre all of that. We're, mm-hmm. we're way pre things like... Uh, uh, Shaun of the Dead were way in mm-hmm. advance of that. So yeah. these sort of horror spoofs you straddling the line between horror and comedy. Really, you had American Werewolf in London. You had maybe one or two other things that straddled that line, but not not a lot, not a lot. So I remember going, wow, this is really cool that it's trying to straddle that line. Watching it today, it, it does not hold up. It just simply does <laughs> not at mm-hmm. all hold up. But I remember enjoying it then. I probably would have seen it right around this interim time in the middle of my first and second semester of, of grad school, we probably all went, you know, my buddies and I from grad school probably all went to, to see it. I don't, I don't recall that specifically, but I remember seeing it in, you know, I remember that I saw it in the theater and all of us going, that was so cool. And, you know, Wow, who knew that George Clooney from ER could do could be, be an action star and be a badass and and boy that Juliet Lewis cuz Cape Fear had already come out and everything right yep. so she yeah. was on the she was definitely on the road.
1: And right. Natural Born Killers had oh, had already out. Yeah. come out. Yeah, so, yeah. So, yeah. So,
3: you know, um I remember liking it then, but man, this movie is just a, it's kind of just a disjointed uh mess. It's very um yeah. um, um exploitative. It's very uh, it's highly uh, misogynistic. I, I think. I think that um, you know Robert Rodriguez is is ha- I guess hearkening back to. I mean, he puts Tom Savini in there. He puts Fred the Hammer Williamson in there. He's hearkening back to you know the things that Rodriguez and Tar- Tarantino always hearken back to. Yeah, is the sort of schlock films the sort of um the grind grind house grindhouse film. Film. Yeah. yeah the grindhouse films you know mm. there mm-hmm. there's yeah. it's like a joke inside of a joke almost and it doesn't when you when you have main characters as morally bankrupt as clooney and 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 uh, and especially uh, tarantino, tarantino are yeah. they're just loathsome there's really no compelling villain in it you, you really i was really you know, hoping that Salma Hayek—I remembered her being in it more—and it's, probably just, two she, yeah, it's yeah, probably just because she, yeah, it's probably just because she made a big impression at the time with her dance. That but, was very uh, disappointing to me. Yeah, she could have been the leader of the vampires for the rest of the movie and been an I, awesome, awesome, groundbreaking female villain, and they kill her off in five minutes. So very I, disappointing.
1: I thought she was. I've never seen this movie today. It was the first okay. time I ever watched it. I had never seen it, but all the advertising and all you ever—you know what I mean—like right. everything. What's iconic? I, I remember George Clooney vampires, Salma Hayek in that outfit with the snake and stuff. And that's literally all I knew of it, really. So I was very surprised when she was gone as quickly as she was. And (laughs) I was surprised at how long it it was an hour before the movie's an hour and 45 minutes. It's an hour before you even know that vampires maybe are a part of the story. At first, it's like very much, you know, it's written by Tarantino Mm -hmm. and it feels it, especially at the beginning. And it just feels like (laughs) it feels like a riff on Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, all these other things. And like, you know, just kind of it's lazy, in a way, that,
3: Tarantino, it's lazy. Yeah.
1: And it was distasteful in a way that the films he directs are not, at least that's how mm-hmm. it felt to me. I well, was he very, didn't direct this. This was the first thing that he ever wrote. His, his writing works better when he's at the helm, I think, because I, exactly. I think, I think he and Robert Rodriguez, they have the same taste, the same, uh, mm-hmm. like you say, Dan, the same things they like to harken back to the same black exploitation and and grindhouse horror stuff. Right. But when Tarantino directs it, it feels like a somehow an elevation of that art form or a comment yeah. on it. He's a he's a much stronger filmmaker when Robert Rodriguez makes it. He's wallowing in the same filth <laughs> as the as his poor as bears. the script,
3: as the script.
1: <laughs> no, it, it, kind of, kind of, because I was yes. like, you know, when Tarantino pays homage to the stuff, those movies look great. When Rodriguez yeah. does it, it looks like the schlock he's paying homage to. And that's mm-hmm. what I was I was like, Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. And I guess if you like that, I see, I never, I was never into the grindhouse or the the exploitation stuff. I mean, that, that, we've talked about this before in the days of video stores. There oh, yeah. was always that section. There was the horror section, but then there was the section where it was like, you know, I spit on your grave and that's the, you know, the more, <laughs> the, you the know, sticky, exploited stuff. Sticky, yeah. dusty
1: boxes in the exactly. back. Exactly.
2: <laughs> yeah. Like children shouldn't play with dead things and that type of stuff. And, <laughs> and I was never, I, and I know people who love that stuff, you know, mm-hmm. and they find it a lot of fun. And, and I guess there is something. Something fun about it because it's so over the top. And there's like, it's so, I guess you could call it cathartic in that sense that it's just crazy, but that was never something that I was into. So I don't appreciate this type of stuff as much as maybe other people would, or obviously as much as someone like Robert Rodriguez does.
0: Mm.
2: But I, but I know what you're saying, Jason, I, I, I'm not too familiar with a lot of Robert Rodriguez's stuff. I, you know, I saw, um, a mariachi and desperado Mm -hmm but I don't think I've seen anything.
3: I've never seen the machete movies. Those are people no. like those. I never I'm saw either.
1: those. Saw his yeah. saw Grindhouse, the movie with... Yeah. To, so I saw his yeah, yeah. half of that, yeah. obviously. Planet Terror, I think it was, which feels right. just like this. Yeah. Just, yeah. Right. You know, like, but it's 10 years later, so it's better special effects, a little, you know, a little more polished to it. But mm-hmm.
2: God, the the the, uh, the guitar player, when his guitar turns into the...
1: That's awesome. The
2: dismembered <laughs> that's torso. That's the most
1: disgusting and... and oh. uh, that's the greatest image that was something out of like fury road but even more disturbing It was like seven meets fury road it yeah, like yeah, that, i mean totally the, like that torso with like was yeah, it like a torso. leg stuck up his ass yeah.
2: So yeah. He could, it was Ugh.
1: disgusting yeah disgusting. so that was that it, that it was sort of
2: fun but i i agree and you know i didn't mind in the beginning how it it, it took a while i mean I would have loved to have seen it when it first came out, and unfortunately, it was even then. Because I remember, I a couple of years later, I actually did get really into ER. But at the time, I was like, eh, whatever. George Clooney, blah blah blah. Right. Tarantino is a shitty actor. Oddly enough, <laughs> I think this is his best performance. Quincy he's Tarantino fine in this,
3: this. Yeah, he's terrible in other oh, things. He's I
1: don't. At... I hate him.
2: Oh, I don't <laughs> think he's bad at all in this. I think he's. I think he's totally passable.
1: Yep, no, I is. don't like him. Don't As like a matter of fact,
2: in many ways, he seems more comfortable than Clooney does at times. Clooney, you can tell, is still trying to figure this whole thing out.
1: Totally opposite for me. I thought I was really? like, oh, Clooney's great. I was like, Clooney's great. This is his first big movie. I was like, he's great. And Tarantino, I just don't care for Tarantino on film. Like I, I believe I, 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 I gather either. the same with you, but I, and maybe it's that his character was particularly loathsome. And I found it, you know, now that we know. The guy's got a foot fetish. I mean, if you didn't know, you no. know by watching this movie. Disgusting. I don't need yeah. to see him staring <laughs> at Juliet no. Lewis's feet. And I certainly didn't need <laughs> to see poor Salma Hayek. Oh. Poor sweet baby Salma Hayek having okay. to like pour wine I'd stick her foot in his filthy <sighs> maw. I no. had no 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 use. Yeah. For, but of course, that's you know whatever. That's yeah. I, he just he just makes my skin crawl. I was at one point. I was like, please let a vampire eat him. And then when it happened, I was like, yes, all yeah. caps. I'm like, yeah. yay, a vampire ate him. <laughs> yeah, it's he's triumphant. gone. I was yeah. so happy that I, I, she was gone way too early for me. When he yeah. left, I was like, oh, how nice. Now I can watch <laughs> the rest of this thing. Yeah,
3: it's a <laughs> relief when he dies, and that's a, that's really a ma- massive it, flaw in the movie, I think, because really, you know. The, the the fact that kaitel is set up to be the hero I guess and then that and gets do. kind of wasted because it doesn't land it doesn't go anywhere it doesn't land yeah. anywhere there's no you know and maybe that's a feature of the grindhouse movies as well I don't know but you, you you gotta land on someone to care about you know and I guess it's supposed to be Juliette Lewis but she take she doesn't take much of a journey in this thing so you you really you no. it's, it's really just an empty shell of a movie that that keeps making attempts like ham fisted attempts to get you to care and you never i never cared i
2: mean keitel had the he probably had the biggest arc of and he he's fantastic in this movie yeah he's yeah. I, I really I think liked him i think I he's really he good. really good and this was I, I was remembering this was at the time when he was ubiquitous. He, that guy was like was in everywhere. every movie at this mm-hmm. point. This was, I feel like this was really his peak, you know, like he just, the piano was a couple of years before Rain. this, mm-hmm. I believe, and like Reservoir Dogs. But, you know, he was just, I just feel like he was in every single movie. I really liked him in this. I thought he was really nicely underplayed. He was a real gentle soul. And, yeah, I, and I, I guess him. that was the biggest arc, that it was a guy who lost his faith. And maybe by the end, he was going to have to try to get that back. You know, similar to like the Mel Gibson character and signs. Science, but you're yeah. right, there wasn't much of a payoff. No. Uh in fact, I, I didn't
1: know what had happened when he all of a sudden he had turned into a vampire. I didn't even kind of clock that. That he had been bitten? <laughs> yeah, that he had been bitten and it he got turned. very messy
2: at the end. It yeah. was so muddy, yeah. and I thought, yeah. oh now yeah.
1: he's gone, he's being killed. Because yeah. he's the character I thought would I actually liked, I thought him and Clooney together had a nice they were great nice chemistry, nice rapport. I mm-hmm. liked their relationship. I thought yeah. and I think he did. I think Kaitel's character does have an effect on Clooney's character and and it, it was it was very nice, but I would have liked to have seen that played through that have that be kind of the central relationship that came out of it at the end and i i, I think Kaitel has i think the best line in the movie it doesn't really feel here's the other thing it's not for a tarantino script and like you say fred it's an early script of his i guess but it's not you know they're not not many great turns of phrase i mean it was no. it was a clumsy script and but there's sure. one one really great line that i love are you such a loser you can't tell when you've won when Keitel says that oh, to yeah, clearly at yeah, one yeah. point i really like that Are you such a loser?
0: You can't tell when you've won? The entire state of Texas, along with the FBI, are looking for you. Did they find you? No, they couldn't. You've won, sir. Enjoy. Jacob? I want you to have a drink with me. I insist.
1: To your family. To yours. But, you know, it was, it was. It, it, so maybe you're right. Maybe he just dusted this script off, gave it to Robert Rodriguez and said, I don't have time to rewrite this, but I would love to be in it. You know, I mean, maybe that was what it was. <laughs> I
2: think that's exactly it's what not, it was. It's not, I'd it's not great. I'd love to have some Hayek her foot in my mouth <laughs> yeah, as yeah. opposed to whoever else you were going to cast.
3: Yeah, you don't have to pay me, just do that.
2: Um, I didn't know that he has a foot fetish. No, it was talked
1: about a lot during uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. The, the girl has her, her feet up on, the, uh, on the, the, dashboard. the dashboard of the car and there's a oh, lot yeah, of lingering right. shots of feet, he loves feet, he loves women's feet, and that's something I don't know that I was aware of it until uh, once upon a time in Hollywood because I remember reading a lot about it and, like, you know, and there's obviously it's obvious in a lot of circles because I it kept coming around and I would keep hearing about it and reading about it. And I was like, oh yeah, I guess it makes sense. And then you go back 30 years and there is like having women <laughs> st- like. Shots of him staring at feet, <laughs> people's feet in his mouth, <laughs> somebody put a foot up his ass at one point, you know, I
0: mean,
1: <laughs> can I just be kicked to death as the vampire, right? in My <laughs> anal cavity. Again, He's... you
3: don't have to pay me. Just do that.
0: I want to thank my co-stars, uh, Leo, Margot Robbie, Margot Robbie's feet, Margaret Qualley's feet, Dakota Fanning's feet. Seriously, Quentin has separated more women from their shoes than the TSA.
2: Um, yeah, it was it was a it was a fun movie in in many ways. I just I thought it could have been more fun. Uh, you know, I, so I like I like that idea. I like what I was saying before. Was I I think it would have been really cool to go into this movie not knowing. Yes. I don't know if that would have been possible just to be like, wow, this is, you know, a, a typical Tarantino, you know, these rough and tumble bank robbers and terrible people. And then suddenly everything is just turned on its head. like, what the fuck? There's vampires? That would have been great. I think now, that's
1: what it's supposed to be. But I think can't. that's the idea, but yeah. you
2: can't do that when you're, because I remember in the advertising, you knew <laughs> yes. immediately. I was going to say the fucking
1: that. TV commercial, it's vampires in the TV yeah. commercial. Right. Right. But if so. you're going to
2: do that, then. Then
1: you yeah, can't I have wish, the surprise. I, I, I wish mm-hmm.
2: they got there sooner. And then I oh, wish sure. the main vampires that were there got taken out really, not even Salma Hayek, but like all those main, right. the vampires that are right there in the beginning, they all got taken out immediately. Yeah. Danny
3: Trejo and yeah. all those it was guys. great. I love He's him. always He's good. good. But then He's I just
2: thought, good. well, oh, well then what's the point? Yeah. I, I bet, know. I
1: bet Rodriguez and Tarantino were like, they were, I, I think in their minds, it was like, you, you, Dan, you may be like you're crazy, Jason. In a weird way, <laughs> an homage to like Psycho, where you you think the movie's one thing, and then at mm. the halfway point or a third of the way through, it oh, yeah. changes so totally, and you're like, yeah. oh wait, it's a movie about this. But I'm sure Miramax mm. was like, yeah 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 yeah. No, you got vampire, you got special effects, you got Salma <laughs> Hayek with a snake on it. It's we're, a vampire. We're gonna show all of this shit. You're gonna everybody's gonna know it's a vampire movie.
3: I do like the final shot where you see the sort of, it looks like yes. a Mayan ruin. And then yeah. there's this lo- big pit with all these tractor trailers down in it and, and b- bats circling around and just death and destruction. It's this, it's this big, huge sort of pit in the earth, like almost a gateway or doorway to yeah. hell. Yeah,
2: that was very cool. I, I think I read somewhere that th- there's, there's a, a really big Aztec mm-hmm. uh, mythology of, oh, of vampires. Okay. Yeah, so, but it was really cool. I guess I wanted more. I don't know if it felt earned, though. You know, it it became it turned into this really big epic statement with that, and which <laughs> again I thought was really cool. But I, I don't know. Just everything happened. Everything that happened before was just so quick and fast, and just. I, yeah. I, yeah, for it, it being so a
3: like, gateway to hell, where the vampires and the the, the minions of Satan come out, they're sure easy to kill. And they even make a layer g- of lines yeah. about that yeah, they're, in they're the like movie. They're, hey, they're they mushy are. and they, <laughs> you can kill them with a table leg. It's like, well, then that's not a threat. I'm sorry. Yeah. They're very unthreatening. They're the most unthreatening vampires in any movie I've ever seen.
2: Yeah, they were just killing them off too quickly in the beginning. Yeah. And it, it uh, and, and like I said, all, all the main vampires. So, yeah, it didn't. Uh...
1: I, I like the, uh, the, yeah, there was uh, that one line I said of tell And then there was that little discussion about,
0: We got a bunch of fucking vampires out there trying to get in here and suck our fucking blood. And that's it, plain and simple. And I don't want to hear anything about, I don't believe in vampires. Because I don't fucking believe in vampires, but I believe in my own two eyes. And what I saw is fucking vampires. Now, do we all agree that what we are dealing with is vampires? Yes. You too, preacher? Has anybody here read a real book about vampires, or are we just remembering what some movie said? I mean a real book. You mean, you mean like a time-life book? I take it the answer's no.
2: <laughs> how many Sheilas? <gasps> <gasps> this is how many this vampires
3: scene. were in this movie? I will subtract 200 from that number. <laughs> and that's how many Sheilas I give it. I'm going to go th- three. Really? Yeah. I, I, yeah, I really disliked it. I, it wasn't fun. It wasn't fun for me.
2: I'm going to give it a five. Okay. I thought it was fun at times. It just, it just missed <sighs> the mark for me. Yeah. I think,
3: I think it's a
1: four. I think I'm like right in between Uh, you guys. I think they were, I actually did. I, I did quite like George Clooney and Harvey Keitel and juliet lewis mm-hmm. and cheech Marin, i kind of enjoyed too there eh? you, know you know go I, mean? I, I
3: give it one sheila for each cheech because cheech <laughs> plays three plays roles three parts in this.
1: which is so odd because it's like i thought i was wondering what the payoff was going to be with that i was like Nothing. is he None. the devil is he the king of the vampires is he something you know is he like <laughs> yeah. something something that he's the border patrol agent who lets them through you know is he like you know like, like the stuff you were talking about with um uh, natural born, natural born killers. Killers. Yeah. is like that he's going to be this thread through it yeah. and i guess he is but to what end there's no I don't payoff think robert
2: rodriguez is that is as good a director someone like tarantino that, well or, or, that's or, just or Oliver uh, Stone. Oliver Stone. you're absolutely right i, I think hate that's to say, the problem um it's, it's all very surface
3: that last shot in that last shot cheech's cheech's head should have come up out of the pit <laughs> and gone Dave's not here, man. And then just go, and then just fade back in.
1: Well, I'll tell you, I, 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 at one point, yeah, like Robert Rodriguez, he's so odd, like the the sex machine thing, right? The um, Tom Savini character, yeah. When when he like when the cod piece pops open and then that little penis and testicle gun comes out, I was like, this looks like it looks and feels like something from Spy
2: Kids. I was like.
1: It's like Spy Kids, Triple X. It was totally. so weird. Yeah, this is
3: Rodriguez's yeah. other thing, though, because you got yeah. Rose McGowan with a gun for a leg in one of those movies. You're right. You have uh, in one of the machete movies. I only know this from the commercial. Somebody has guns for boobs. I think it's uh, What's Her Face from Modern Family is in it. She has guns uh, for nipples, li- literally. Who? Um, I Jesse Tyler Ferguson? No. <laughs> <laughs> Ed, uh, Ed, uh, oh God. What's Ed O'Neill o- O'Neil O'Neil O'Neil. has guns for boot. No, <laughs> oh, geez, pig. The, oh, come on, pig. <laughs> this is Robert Rodriguez's thing, yeah, is, right. is my point. He likes to replace yeah. limbs or organs with guns. He's just, wow. he's one
1: of the greats. Um... <laughs> No, you're right. That's true. That is a recurring
2: Also very similar to what Richard Dreyfus does all the time in all his movies. All his weapons on his penis. I remember
3: Duddy Kravitz had a cannon for a Turkus in, in one of the uncut scenes. Uh, Goodbye, girl,
1: scene. in more ways than
3: one. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> oh, oh, we're gonna need a bigger cannon. Oh, <laughs> oh. Well, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> Let's we
0: jump gave them out, right? The three, four, five. Those were the shear Yeah, three, four, five. yeah, yeah five that's it.
1: Mr. Holland's opus.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Glenn Holland had a lifetime of plans
3: to write a symphony. That's what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. And to raise a family.
2: Radio City Music Hall is proud to present Coltrane. Gershwin
3: Holland. But before he can fulfill
0: his dreams...
2: We should do nothing but compose music and
0: become famous. He'll have to face the music. It was good.
1: Composer Glenn Holland, played by Richard Dreyfuss, believes that he'll eventually write a transcendent piece of music, but takes a teaching job at an Oregon high school to make ends meet. While initially less than inspired, Holland grows to love his students and his work as the temporary position stretches into a decades-long career. The film, which also stars Glenn Headley, Olympia Dukakis, and William H. Macy, earned star Richard Dreyfuss an Oscar nomination, and earned $82.5 million domestically, with a total of $106.2 million worldwide. Fred and Dan, what did you guys think of Mr. Holland's opus?
2: I didn't see this when it came out because I said, boo, boo, when I saw the commercial. I <laughs> said, boo. No. Aww. And I very much wanted to say that. I wanted to dislike this movie. I, as soon as I started to watch, I watched it for the – I'd seen bits and pieces of it here and there. I watched it all the way through today, and I really wanted to dislike it. And there were moments when – that bile did start to come up and the music (laughs) was just rising a little too loud. I was like, Oh, this is mawkish. Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. I got to tell you, it, it fucking got me. I mean, there were, there were some times I was like, Mm. and it, it's very manipulative in that sense, Mm -hmm. but fuck if it doesn't work, it reminded me of it's a wonderful life.
0: Mm -hmm, It was very, he's,
2: he's, he's very George Bailey. You know, he's this guy who, he he's got these dreams and these aspirations, and he and he wants to follow his heart and and do the and then he gets tied down to responsibility, and he keeps trying to like maybe get out, and then he keeps getting pulled back in, and then mm-hmm. you know at the end, I mean it's pretty much like Harry Bailey. Joanna Gleason is Harry Bailey coming at the end. You know, <laughs> goes, well, you know here, raise a toast for you know my 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 brother George Bailey, the mm-hmm. richest man, and I mean that's what it was basically. <laughs> showing what, what a wonderful life he's had and how he's affected all these students. And, you know, especially, you know, being married to a teacher and, you know, we were, we, we were cleaning out our basement for, for some construction down there. And I found this poster that, you know, from years ago that, Kate, my wife, all her, all her, you know, old students had written her something when she was moving to a different school. And there's been plenty of times when you know when we were still living in the city, we'd be on the train and someone would come up to her and be like, "Miss Monaco," and you know, I, you know, I was, Aww. I was in your your class five years ago. I'm in college now, and like things are going great. And it, it really, like, to me, that's so much of what the movie's about is just how much you know a teacher can affect people. And uh, he was. I, I, you know, Dreyfus, he's he's great. Oh yeah, he's 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 so good. He's so solid and everything. And I like that he's unlikable a lot of the times. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like he's got that irascibility, uh, <laughs> and there there's he's he's got these things where he's slightly above everyone else. I yeah. mean, there, there's always something about that with his characters. I mean, you know, Matt Hooper and Jaws. You know, that's why Quint hates him so much because sort of got his is he, he's. He's very grounded, but there's a slight snobbishness.
3: Yeah, it's a know-it-allism.
2: Yeah, yeah. which, <laughs> which like, which I really like and works for him. And it's uh, you know there was it's it's a it's a long movie. Mm-hmm. It, it, there, but I, I don't know if you could. I, I don't know yes. if you cut it. <laughs>
1: Yes. You cut the entire plot with that girl. Ding, the ding, middle, ding, The ding, movie ding. stops dead you in its fucking it. tracks. You you're nailed it. Right.
3: You nailed it. You don't
1: need that. You'd be under two hours without that girl. Well, it's
2: interesting mm-hmm. when that happened because before that I was thinking is it every time that Dryfus is with a young girl, it's a little creepy. Yes. It felt creepy <laughs> to me. And then now they pay it off with that. But you're absolutely, and you know, and I, I, they paid off in the fact that You're like, oh, okay, maybe there is something. He is being tempted by that. He's being tempted by these young students. I don't mind that. I know it's creepy. I know it's, you know, abhorrent and it's, but I didn't mind seeing that facet of the character, you know, getting to this point where, oh, now I've got to this point where I'm not the superstar that I thought I was going to be in the music world, but I'm sort of a superstar as a teacher Mm. and people are attracted to me. These young girls are attracted to me. I found that interesting a guy who is tempted by that, a guy who is so heartbroken by his son being deaf and not being able to share what he loves so much with his son. I I didn't really buy the fact that he went that long without learning sign language. Right. Yeah. You know, like I get it. I get the fact that that's making him again, a little more unlikable and the fact that he just can't, he can't wrap his head around it. It's something that's so disturbing to him. But after that, I mean, his kid's a teenager by that point.
3: Yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, really, you don't, you don't know sign language. He's very unlikable.
2: Yeah, there were a few things here and there. But again, I, that doesn't deter me from liking a movie. I don't no. think every every not every character in a movie should be likable. So I'll I'll.
1: Yes, I'll, but Mister Holland's opus about like George, the George Bailey of high school music programs, should not be like, oh, maybe I'll meet you at the bus stop, and no. then, and then perhaps I'll run away with you, young lady. <laughs> but and, he makes, but he oh makes the right God, decision. Oh my God, my son's death! <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I know he makes the yes, he makes the he makes the right decision. He makes the only decision. Was he going to leave town? With that teenager and get on a bus
2: and go nowhere with nothing.
3: <laughs> oh, we could have made it together. No. no yeah. and you and
2: you know he's not gonna do that. You know that's right. not gonna happen. But again, it doesn't even need to be there. There could be just a quick moment of, ooh, this is nice. This young girl is attracted to me, but no 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 no. And that's, then you, you move on. Yeah, it was it was And you know, Glenn Headley has gone.
1: that wonderful moment where she does where the penny drops for her and it's heartbreaking. She's excellent. And uh oh, she's and, so then, good. and then but there's no payoff. He never has to, he never has to reckon with that. He comes, yeah, home, right. he comes home. He says, I love you. She says, I know all is forgotten. All is forgiven.
3: She never Empire says strikes back rip off. Hello. Yes, but she never,
1: she never <laughs> says uh, you're it, part of your, um, your great magnum opus is named after the 15 year old student in your show. <laughs> she sees I, like, Oh, Rowena's song. And then it's like looks in the program. Oh, Rowena! It's not 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 a lot of Rowenas out there, Uh,
3: (laughs) which means he lied to her to her face.
1: Yeah, yes. Yes. And then and then yeah. I just think the fact that there's no reckoning with it that just that like you say, Fred. It's like we're supposed to be like, well, he only kissed half of her mouth as he put her on the bus and uh, (laughs) with his uh, undone bow tie in the middle of the street, and then went home to his wife it is mostly the real estate that it takes up in the movie because it is an incredibly long movie for so so, it's so slight a narrative.
3: I actually think it should probably take up no real estate. I think you can cut it utterly. I agree. Yeah. I think you're probably right. Because what, what does it do for this? First of all, this movie kills me. It kills me. I love this movie. I I was like, I don't, I, um, I uh, And it's because I'm a sucker for that fucking sentimental thing that this movie does. It's Mm -hmm. so goddamn manipulative. And so I love and hate this movie (laughs) at the same time. It just knows what it's doing so deftly. It's like, oh, we're going to tug this heartstring now. Now he's going to see his son. Yeah, now he's going to see how his son hears, quote unquote, by feel. Mm -hmm. And that moment destroys me as he's seeing the son feel his way through the machinery of the um, of the car and he puts his face to the whatever he's using there a screwdriver there Mm, so that he can mm -hmm, feel the mm -hmm. difference in the vibration we hear it but he feels it and Dreyfus is watching him and that's how he gets the idea to do to essentially make the concert a feeling experience for the deaf children oh my god that destroys me the subplot with the girl should be excised utterly here's why we already know that he's flawed. We all, What does yes. that subplot do for us? It says it, it reinforces the idea that has been reinforced 200 times before that and 200 times after that he possibly perhaps could have had another life or at least yeah. he wishes he had another life. You don't need that to be emphasized with a 20-minute sequence about a young girl. You don't need it. It is creepy to me. You know, yeah. the, the stuff with Highly. the girl playing cat, cat clarinet isn't that's not at all that stuff with her
2: there were even a few moments and i i I, it doesn't end up being creepy but i just remember watching it and just the way he's looking at her thinking richard drive is creepy (sighs) and i know it doesn't go that way obviously but
1: yeah that one didn't bother me The 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 this girl um at the rowena at the center of the film like yeah it's and she's
3: lovely she's wonderful in it
1: yeah, she's lovely. Um, you're but right, it's what, it, not needed. It's not needed. He, the first time he comes up on stage to give her direction, I'm like, you're a little too close there, Richard Triathus. Yeah. Yep. You're right yep. up yep. in her yep. business immediately. I was like, this yeah. whole thing. I mean, we were, Kate and I were watching it. When they're at the bus stop, we were both like, it was like we were little kids. We were like, don't kiss, don't kiss, don't kiss, don't kiss, don't kiss. Don't kiss, don't kiss. Please don't kiss. Fuck you. Fuck yeah. me. Don't kiss her. Don't kiss her. I mean, it was so... Yeah. Uh, disconcer- and and we also had to hear her fucking song four times. I mean, it's a yeah. long enough movie. I heard someone
3: to watch over me four times. You'll hear it a fifth time in a little
1: while. Oh. <laughs> That's what I want to hear. Good. That's the one I want to hear. I her wish she had farted. G- <laughs> I wish she had crapped her pants, and then he was like, "I'm not interested."
3: <laughs> that would have been a good use of of uh, of uh, Robert Rodriguez could have used that somehow. <laughs> her name is Jean Louisa Kelly, and I thought she uh, was very good. Well. She's from Uncle Buck. I, I knew I recognized her. Something. Oh yeah. She was
1: lovely, and of course, she had to like you know. She did a good job of <laughs> of, of of making us retching, believe of not vomiting, of, of yes, making, making us believe that She's like, oh, Mister Holland, oh Richard <laughs> Dreyfus,
3: can I sit with you here
1: at the diner? Can I invite you? Can I can I throw my entire life away? <laughs> on you
3: well, we're gonna need a bigger bus bench oh. <laughs>
1: um, yeah so i really did not need that plot in the middle of it at all and no. you're and that's and that's an excellent no. point dan he's already he's already flawed and unlikable and we already know like the thing that's tempting him back in the year because it does not seem like a real temptation it's not like somebody came and offered him like a real job or an opportunity and he had to decide, right. um, Oh, am I that going to leave the school? It would have been more interesting because this yeah. is not a, was not go. a realistic choice for him. Yeah, um, right. and it, you know, and it, it's, it does smack of that, um, you know, that, that love actually thing, the Alan Rickman, Emma Thompson, like, you know, mm-hmm. like that when Glenn Headley is like, you're naming, Pieces of your 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 great symphony after a student, yeah this student girl. What's the deal with that? And and that confrontation never happens. His reckoning, the fallout from that, it never occurs. It just gets swept right under the rug. And if you're gonna do that, if you're not gonna have that be something that carry it, if it if there were repercussions through the rest of the movie, then you say, okay, maybe an edited version of that that little mini arc is is warranted. But because it has no pay off anywhere. The girl doesn't come back at the end. <laughs> Glenn Henley doesn't right. take him to task. You can right. just lift the whole thing. You know, like most people, I only
3: got my teaching certificate, so I'd have something to call back on, and now I have.
0: This isn't a drive-in, Mr. Claridge. Hands off. You know, Mr. Holland, I don't think of teaching as a fallback position.
3: No, no,
2: I didn't And I grow
0: nervous around people who do.
3: He's not a good teacher. Yes, which I like good as well. Chunk yeah, of like this movie. That. He's a shitty teacher. He doesn't know how to teach, how to affect students, how to get inside their hearts and minds, doesn't know how to do it. He's bad at it. And, and he's frustrated about how he's so bad. He's blameful. He's deflecting, you know, the blame onto the students. And mm-hmm. then he tries something different. And you know, and that that run. There, there are so many moments moments in this being a teacher myself. There's mm. so many moments in this movie that just ring so true to me. It's like, yeah, yeah I've been there, man. <laughs> I've been in that. I've been in that moment. I've been in that meeting. I've been in that. Mm. You know, in that situation. There, there's a lot in this that that you know uh, that that does um, have have the ring of of truth to it. And then there's some stuff that you know, I. I is, is deeply Hollywood deeply sentimental and and mawkish as you said Fred but god damn it if this do, movie doesn't tear my heart out it just really does the ending tears are streaming down my face at the end and that's mm, the thing mm-hmm. I mean
2: it's hard to fault a movie for, for you know for being manipulative or mawkish if it does it, it's it's unapologetic in the uh, in being effective Absolutely. and it does you know I'm like well because like I said, in the beginning, I really didn't want to like it. And I was really fighting it. And I'm sitting there with tears streaming down my mm-hmm. face. I'm going, well, fuck, they got me. Obviously it yeah. worked, yeah. you know, and <laughs> right. isn't that what a movie supposed to, isn't that what art is supposed to do? It's, it's a catharsis. That's right. I, I,
1: yeah. I mean, I, I, and some of those things worked better than others. Cause, because I, I I cried several times through this. And, and yeah, the, the uh. very end, is very it's very powerful um it's so so powerful and there were earlier moments too but but you know what you know what never ever ever rings true for me in this the relationship with the son it doesn't really oh my god it doesn't really work and 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 even when he has that moment he has that concert you know they spend so again it's the imbalance of that whole rowena thing it takes forever it buys you nothing It could be jettisoned, and you could spend. I wrote, focus on the sun. Spend more time with the the intricacies of that relationship, because all of a sudden it's like, like you say, for Mm -hmm. he he doesn't know sign language for 15 years, and he's not interested in learning. And then all of a sudden (laughs) one day he's like, he's like, oh, and then he's like, (laughs) then he's great at it. And then he's like, he's like, I'm gonna put together this concert, and you're gonna, you know, all this stuff. And then and then he does the John Lennon song, which I'm sorry, don't work don't work part of the reason it, it doesn't work is because the kid doesn't look it doesn't it didn't doesn't ah, work man. on his own son you're his son's looking at him like oh boy dad <laughs> yeah you're on this is money. a lot for you dreyfus this yep. is a lot even for you sir the
3: kid who plays teenage cole is not skilled enough in that moment or they didn't get the right take uh, out of him yeah. or something it doesn't yeah. it, it doesn't land, <laughs> he's like <unfortunately>. vaguely confused
1: <laughs> or like we're like am i no. supposed to i guess I, it's like when somebody it's like a big gesture. It's, it's like somebody proposing. And, and the woman's like, can we talk about this? <laughs> <laughs> Not in public. You know, it has that effect. Yeah, he looks embarrassed. And, he's, and Dreyfus is sweating and crying. He's like, And his voice is cracking. Beautiful call. And I was like, Ay, you have embarrassed yourself, sir. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Beautiful Cole. Oh.
1: It didn't work. It didn't work. I was like utterly unmoved. I said, "The look in Cole's or the lack of looking Cole's eyes says it all." It says what it says is you're working too hard, Dad.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus, tone it back. Tone it back a little.
1: That's what I get. So I was like, oh. mm-hmm. and that's right on top of the long section that should have been cut with that girl, in my opinion. So, so the movie has a a healthy chunk that doesn't. That doesn't really fly for me. And then I will say, then, then they they jump way forward in time. Mm-hmm. They make a, a leap 15 years. They go from 1980 to 1995, the year the movie yeah, is yeah. made. And so it's a huge jump. And, you know, and then it's a different actor playing. And you see that the relationship has really deepened and blossomed yeah. with the sun. And that's good. That's it's That's lovely. great. But, like, where it wants you as an audience to get emotionally at the end of that Lennon song, it, it, it for me, it doesn't, it doesn't work. And I've seen this movie a couple of times and I'm like, yeah, it didn't, that didn't really do it for me uh, either time, but I'm a cold cynic. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh my gosh. How many Sheila's?
2: Mm. I'll give it a seven. I'll give it a solid seven. Mm. 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 I'm going to give it a six. I'm giving mm. it a six. Mm. 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 Chewing on that, Dan?
3: That hurts me. It hurts me. Yeah. It does not deserve what I'm giving it. <laughs> Let me say that right off the bat. Okay. This movie doesn't deserve what I'm giving it.
2: Wait, wait, wait. What did you give Disorderly's? Okay. <laughs> if Disorderly's is a half
3: of a pancake, <laughs> this is several stacks. Several. I'm going to go 8.25.
2: 8.2 <laughs> the, the two five, the point two five. I feel like it deserves the 8 out ah! of <laughs> no
3: hubbidi,
2: it hubbidi, just hubbidi, hubbidi.
3: It, it just gets me you know this movie just, yeah. just yeah. it just uh, it, it, and, and, and like I said I'm frustrated by the fact that it does what it does to me. You know, I don't get frustrated with a movie. Like it's a wonderful life because it's of a different era. And it's like, yeah, this is what movies did. Did this movies like sentimental movies like this, did that miracle on 34th street. I don't
1: mind a sentimental movie. I don't I think, I think it works in many instances, but but I don't think the whole movie,
2: do you know what I mean? There are are
3: massive structural flaws with this thing. They try to get a little too grand
2: at times. Yeah. It
3: has a grandiosity to it. Dreyfus is, is, is wonderful, but, but imperfect, uh, in it. And I, the character, all. but, but also his performances, his performances is, is here and there at times, but he's still wonderful in it. I mean, what a thing to play someone's entire life The the, oh, yeah. we didn't talk about this. The aging in this movie is spectacular. This is before they the fucking de-aging that. that we see in the Irishman and movies like that. They, yeah. That is it is. Wonderful. I buy him utterly at every age that he and Glenn Heavy yeah. are throughout Agreed. this movie. I do. Yeah. I, I, do I was thrown
2: off at the end because when he showed up with the gray, which yeah. I, at the time that's really what he really was, but I was like, wait, wait, hold on. What it, what does Richard Dreyfus look like at this time? Right. Because I really yeah. bought the fact
1: right. I know. If, I was uh, like if too. If I was like, younger. is this what he actually looks like in nineteen ninety-five? Is it is it splitting the di- he Yeah, I, He, was, I, I he, he was, was gray
3: at that point. Yeah. But they give him a few more liver they spots some, and yeah, wrinkles, and around, wrinkles the around the eyes and stuff. Eyes. It all yeah. is seamless. It's wonderful. I think it's no, but you, yeah, you're right. I was, good.
2: I was. There was like one moment in the beginning, at his youngest moment, just something that he did. Physically, he moved, and I thought, "Wait a minute, is he a little too?" It was like the whole thing, like you were saying with the Irishman, like when De Niro was younger, and that <laughs> oh you're God. like, "Yeah, his face looks younger, but he's moving he's like, like oh. a 98 year old man." <laughs> There was a slight Uh, moment of that, but it really, it was so flashing. It didn't didn't take me out of it, but I just, it made me wonder, wait a minute. And then I forgot about it. Mm. But yeah, no, you're absolutely right.
1: Yeah, no, that aging was was really good. Really
3: good. Uh, No, (laughs) nothing in the mail sack this week, which really is troubling to me. Really Hmm. troubling because we're getting these updates from the road, from the pod squad, who, as we know, is on their way to the Pacific Northwest to save Sheila, from the nefarious supervillain only known as QS hmm. uh who uh is I guess, who's been sending me dead murder hornets in the mail um, it's very disturbing to, to terrorize That's- us that's like dare.
1: Tarantino in From Dusk Till Dawn, disturbing. That's that's, <laughs> that's like something he would do. He'd be like, here's some m- 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 it it murder it's on Quentin? your feet. <gasps> Could it Quentin
3: be Quentin? Quentin That Quentin Sarantino. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that
1: Quentin Sorrentino.
3: It's a magical, It It is uh, disturbing me this week that we haven't heard from the pod squad because they've they've been giving us updates from the road as they travel up there in a cannonball run type fashion, so I don't know the status. I don't know the status of our poor mm. Sheila or of the pod squad because. Oh, hang on a minute. Hang on. Regular phone. Regular phone is 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 oh. ringing. Yes. Hello. Hello. You are on the opening weekend podcast. Go ahead, please.
2: <laughs> oh, hello, podcasters. So nice of you to take my call since you've. Already taken so much from me. Wait
3: a minute. Who is
2: this? (laughs) I'll do the talking. I'll do the talking. You'll do the listening, podcasters. I'm sorry, sir. I assume you've received my gift (gasps) the last several weeks. Wait a minute. Am I speaking?
1: (laughs) It's playing right into your hands, Dan.
3: God damn it. Am I speaking to QS?
2: This is QS. (gasps) The Queen Sucker. Queen sucker. I, would make you oh, may have been wondering. How did we this, not
1: think of that?
2: Is this some gentleman named Quentin, perchance? <laughs> no, the queen sucker. Damn <laughs> you! <laughs> You've no doubt been staring at hundreds of corpses of dead murder hornets.
3: Yes, it's very. Perchance
2: disturbing. when? Oh, so disturbing. <laughs> and yet, you, you never once looked at them and said, mm, "This means something." <laughs> hmm. Did you not? <laughs> well, like every supervillain, I will plot out my nefarious plan for you. <laughs> I will be sucking the queens from their nest. <laughs> and when I suck them, I shall smite them, and henceforth, they shall be smote. <laughs> And you will will say, oh, perhaps this was an accident. And I say, no, this was no smoting accident. (laughs) This was a shark. Mm. A shark. Because I know sharks. A shark who has always been there circling and circling, circling. Like the moon, the ever-present moon. Like the moon flying over Uruguay or Ecuador or Parador. Perhaps. (laughs) So listen up. Arthropod Squad. Yes, you. I'm speaking to you, Al. Middling Screamer. Jack. Hack. Nicholson. Oh. But what? No, no Bobby De Niro and the Arthropod Squad. No Bobby Duval. Not good enough for the Arthropod Squad. I ask, what about Bob? What about Bob? But I digress. I digress. The graffiti is on the wall, gentlemen, and Sheila is about to have a close encounter with me. Whoa. I shall strike and say goodbye, girl. (laughs) (laughs) Sheila was mine. Mine. Sheila was a young girl living in Sun River, Oregon. (laughs) When I came to film Mr. Holland's opus, she was an extra on the set. (gasps) You're kidding me. Much like the scene that you say should have been excised from, yes, I have been listening. I have been listening to the podcast. Oh my God,
1: that's right. When, when people are on hold, Dan, they listening? hear us recording I can the
2: hear podcast. Everything. I keep forgetting. Much so, like that scene, Sheila and I fell in love. And for years, we had a loving romance. I, I nurtured her, I was her mentor. I taught her, and in turn, she taught me. <laughs> she moved to Santa Barbara. And then she started listening to this podcast, this insipid podcast, and started writing letters. Oh, damn this and damn that. You. <laughs> I say enough.
1: <laughs> oh, my God.
2: If I can't have my shield, then no one can. What you- please, I'm so sorry. You're not, you're not going
1: to harm her, are you, sir? Yes. You're, you're-
2: I'm going to suck her <laughs> back into my arms. And if she's harmed, let it ride. <laughs> let it ride, gentlemen. Did I say good day? <laughs> what is it? Hello?
3: The line Hello? seems to have gone dead yet again. Oh, wow. my wow. God. Wow. Right. It seems that QS, which as we now know stands for Queen Sucker, this entire time. Has been Richard Dreyfus. He's God. Richard Dri- the great actor Richard Dreyfus. And he has had a longstanding relationship with Sheila that we were utterly unaware of.
1: Wow. I mean that I mean that was nuts. Thank you.
3: 1987. Oh God. <laughs> what about Bob, though really? I mean, honestly.
1: He was sprinkled like like breadcrumbs. He was sprinkling the titles of his films out to you know. He's I knew he was a bit of an egomaniac, but this, was, this, was, he it, this is. he truly is like
2: a Lex Luthor. Yeah, he's wow. nefarious. He's, he's nefarious. Really nefarious. I think even Toad. To- I was going to say
1: He and Toad should get along smashingly. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Listen, I think
3: we have to get we have to get our group, our our squad, our. Tribe, if you will, to go up against against QS slash Richard Dreyfus, and hopefully he doesn't bring his tribe, Grippendorf's tribe, along on the fight because that would be really (laughs) tragic for both sides. However, we have to somehow contact them and and at least warn them because who knows what he's going to do next once he's. Once he is yeah. sucked, or Sheila. I mean, out my of the God, tree.
2: he's a jilted lover. Yeah, who, he's a who jilted knows? lover. I, I sort see? of feel bad about for I feel I bad about all of this.
1: I know Sheila and, has really gotten around. I mean, she's 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 a real love them and leave him type. I think. Yeah, that's, uh,
3: yeah, and he's and he seems to be jealous that she was obsessed with me for a while before. I know her. Her you're new the one who has to,
1: the most to fear. That's yeah. what I'm, Qs. This nefarious Qs. That's what so that's I'm where saying. That's it all
3: started. Listen, there's there's one there's one thing that people can do to to help the whole situation. Listen and subscribe. (laughs) Give us five stars on the iTunes and put a nice review uh, on there as well. And maybe that will inspire QS to, you know, to, 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 to listen to some past episodes and and see that we're really not bad guys. Pod squad. If you're listening, I know we haven't heard from you in in a while, but if you can get up there, you know, you could lie in wait uh, in some sort of a stakeout (laughs) waiting for Richard Dreyfus. <laughs> oh. And if you have to do it twice, oh. you could go on another stake. <laughs> <up> your- <laughs> oh. <gasps> oh. <laughs> oh, God, help
0: us.
1: Oh, also down and out in Beverly Hills.
0: <laughs> <laughs> With Mr. Nolte. <laughs> that's right. There you go. Oh, there.
1: That's that, Oh, that's that could that's be the solution. Be like- that could be the solution right that's, there. Ooh. That's going to be a, 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 like a sixty-four-page supersized issue, oh. like like <laughs> like Superman versus Muhammad Ali. We're going to have Nolte, Nolte, Nolte. Nolte. <laughs> like we're going to get Jack and, hey, Jack and K. Nolte <laughs> and Beyonce and,
2: and
3: Sade. and
1: Shahde to,
3: to join forces. Face. <laughs> no, that would be great if no, because he'll listen to Nolte because they did that movie together. And it was a big hit movie. He'll listen think, to Nolte if he that, listens yeah. to no one else, you know? That would be good. Well, maybe right, we'll have we, we have we'll a couple different, we'll different strategies here. We'll see what works out because we're not going up there. That's for goddamn money. hell. No, yeah. we got things to do, gentlemen. There's only really one song. I was trying to learn the actual opus of Mr. Holland's opus.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's a fool's errand. It it's, barely, it's, 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 there's no <laughs> there's no tune to it. Nobody would recognize it. People would be yes. like, What? Oh, that's nice. <laughs> you just, hear that in an elevator?
3: It, yeah. Oh my God, that's so funny because Taylor was watching the part and she's like, This is elevator music. Um Taylor. Yeah, she nailed went it. After my own heart. Um, but I think. You know, even though we this is a much maligned section of the movie, good old Gershwin <laughs> doesn't let us down with a couple of the Gershwin tunes that show up in Mr. Holland's opus. So should we do a little... Uh Someone to to fart over me. me. Someone to fart (laughs) over me.
1: That'd be great. Absolutely. Absolutely. First, let me say what we've, uh, what, uh, next week. No, no, no. No, just because I want to end with your, with your sweaty palms. I don't want to have to tag (laughs) anything on. Uh, uh, thank you everyone for listening next week. We are looking back to January 27th, 1984 and the release of Steve Martin's, the lonely guy, uh, the wide release of Silkwood, starring Meryl Streep and Cher, and also uh, Woody Allen's Broadway Danny Rose, uh, starring, uh, of course, Woody Allen and Mia Farrow. So that's next week on Opening Weekend. Dan, please take it away oh with the great the great Gershman.
3: song
2: by the way oh i want to hop on a bus to new york and run off with you (laughs) let me loosen my tie (laughs) i'll suck that queen (laughs) that
3: was gorgeous was, uh, you guys teach great. me so much on this podcast. You really do. It's it's not unlike the education of Max Bickford. No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the opening weekend
0: podcast is produced by Jason O'Connell, Fred Berman, and Dan Matisa, with editing by Jason O'Connell and sound mixing by Fred Berman. Additional help and technical support provided by Ethan Duff. Thank you for listening.